0: Hey everyone, this is Corey S. from Thurmont, Maryland, and I wanna welcome everyone to the Daily
1: Reflection Podcast. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Okay, today is July 29th and... I have in the studio, Corey S. from Thurmont, Maryland. So glad that uh, you could join us today. Welcome to the show, Corey. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. We get the show started in the same way every day. We ask folks to read the Daily Reflection for today. Today's July 29th. Corey, would you get us started?
0: I sure will. All right. July 29th, Anonymous Gifts of Kindness. As active alcoholics, we were always looking for a handout in one way or another, Twelve. 12- 12th Tradition Illustrated, page 14. The challenge of the seventh tradition is a personal challenge, reminding me to share and give of myself. Before sobriety, the only thing I ever supported was my habit of drinking. Now my efforts are a smile, a kind word, and kindness. I saw that I had to stop carrying my own weight and to allow my new friends to walk with me because through the 12th Through the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions, I've never had it so good.
1: Thanks for reading that. Corey, before we begin, what's your sobriety date?
0: My sobriety date is April 7th,
1: 2008. Oh, fantastic. Well, congratulations on your time. And thanks again for reading that. As we look to the reflection, gifts of kindness, you know, what jumped out to me was now my efforts are a smile, a kind word, and a kindness. What jumped out for you? What What does this reflection mean? Honestly,
0: for me, it's it's spot on because you know, really, the last you know, the last sentence where it says, "I've never had it so good." You know, one of the things that I catch myself saying a lot is, "I'm overpaid." I'm overpaid okay. because, you know, when I came into recovery, you know, I came in here for one reason and one reason only, and that was really, honestly, just to stop hurting my mom and to get my court slip signed. So. I'm glad that I didn't get what I wanted because I would have sold myself way short. You know, this is spot on for me because, you know, I've been a taker all my life. I've been a taker and not just, you know, not just, you know, physical stuff, but just suck the life out of people when I was out there in active addiction. And, you know, I'm grateful for good sponsorship. You know, I've had the same sponsor. I switched my sponsor about a year sober and I've had the same sponsor for 12 years and he's big on service work super big on service work. And his motto is, you got to give this away to keep it. And so that's what I, you know, I think, you know, in the book that I read, the big book, it says that in there, it's not a matter of giving that is in question, you know, it's when and how to give that often makes the difference between failure and success. And so yeah, for me, this is all about being of service to other people. That's just what Mm -hmm. you know, that's what recovery is about in the 12-step program that I go to. That's what it's about. You know, it's not there to serve me, which I thought it was when I first got sober. I'm there to serve it. Mm -hmm. And when I when I realize that that I'm there to be of service, my life changed, my outlook on life changed.
1: So, in order to get this amazing attitude of service and 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 helping others get this program, you have to have it yourself. And for me anyway, for me to have it, I needed to have some willingness. And that took a bit of desperation. Tell me, can you relate to that and and maybe talk a little bit about what was going on when you first came in?
0: So, I came in in 2006. I was court ordered to go to 12 step meetings. The judge said, AA or a prison. And I already knew what prison was like. I just got out from doing five years. So, I figured, you know, I'll go, you know, get this slip signed. And, you know, there's a guy who goes to the clubhouse where I live and he's been sober for a long time. And I remember the first time I heard him say this in a meeting, it blew my mind because I couldn't be, I couldn't believe he admitted this in front of a room full of people. But he said, he said, when I came in, I was broke, busted, disgusted, and couldn't be trusted. And, and that was me. That was me. I wouldn't have told you that because I was a dressed up garbage can. You know, I was more worried about looking better than getting better. And I found out very quickly that there's a big difference between, you know, looking better and getting better. And, you know, I just, I had nothing, man. I had nothing. I had a bunch of backup time. That's what I had. I slept on my mom's cap and I had an ankle bracelet on and it wasn't jewelry that I bought. It was issued by the state of Maryland. I was just clueless. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I was
1: clueless. So Corey, what do you mean by backup time?
0: When I say backup time, I mean prison. I was going back, you know, they let me out of prison. You know, I sold drugs to an undercover cop in 2000 to support my habit and, and this was back, like, again, that's 21 years ago. They weren't as lenient back then as they were today. And they gave me 12 years and, uh, and I'm not cut out for prison. Some people, you know, are from, you know, built for that or come from, you know, and I'm come from a small town, you know, in Emmitsburg, Maryland, we had one stoplight and a pizza hike growing up. We don't, you know, so yeah, you know, I went mm-hmm. to, I went to prison and they let me out to go to a long-term treatment program. And if I complete this six month program, they would let me go home and, uh, you know, I heard someone in AA say this when I first started one of the meetings. They said, We're great starters, but we're terrible finishers. Mm-hmm. And, and that hit me, man, because I'm good out the gate. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a great starter. And I was a great starter when I went to treatment, but I believe water seeks its own level. And I don't know about anybody else, but, you know, when I go to treatment, the first thing I get back is my opinion. And then I start, you know, maybe I was overreacting or honestly, you know, I always, I speak very highly of the principles of the, you know, the steps and the principle behind the first step is honesty. And I always mm. tell people, if you can't get that one down, you don't have to worry about the rest of them. And, and I just, that's, I'm grateful for people in my life that were direct with me. They were direct. They were more worried about me getting better than me liking them. And they said, one thing's going to change, Corey, either you are or your sobriety date. And, and that scared me because I didn't want my sobriety date to change. Cause you know, when I relapse, like when I pick up, I'd love to sit here and tell you that I know what's going to happen. But that's why I know I'm an alcoholic and addict, because when I put substances in my body, I can't tell you what's going to happen.
1: That's a tough life. And I'm sorry about your time in in prison. I I can't even imagine how difficult that is. Tell me about the second step for you.
0: So the second step for me is, you know, when I came into meetings, I'd hear people say, you know, came, came to, came to believe. I can, he can't, so let him. And I'm like, what is all this Bumper sticker code, like I just didn't get it, man. To be honest with you, I grew up Catholic. You know, I came in here. I'm going to be honest with you. I came in here very prejudiced against organized religion, just because of what was pushed on me in my childhood. And then when I went to prison, I didn't even know there was that many religions, honestly, until I went to prison. And I just came in here with a lot of contempt. It talks about that in the Big Book: contempt prior to investigation. And uh, and I always say this: I've listened to people all my life. I've just listened to the wrong people. And, you know, I came in here very prejudiced, like I said. And then once you get to the 11th step, it says it in the 11th step. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. And, uh, you know, I heard a lady say this in a meeting. She said, Corey, she said, you know, religion is for people who don't want to go to hell and spirituality is for people who've been there and don't want to go back. And, you know, I know what it's like to live in hell. You know, when you're living and I knew what it was like to live one day at a time long before I came into recovery, because I was living one day at a time out there in active addiction, sometimes one hour at a time. How am I going to get by? How am I going to get my next one? And it didn't really take a lot for me. Honestly, I will say this. The step two in the 12 and 12 was super impactful for me where it talks about that Santa Claus God in there, you know, always praying for something or treating prayer like a spare tire and only getting it out when I need it. And, and that's what I did. I just did foxhole prayers. I prayed for things, and I can guarantee you today, you don't ever hear me praying for anything materialistic. The only thing that I, that I would pray for is, you know, to remove some something that's blocking me, some kind of character defect, or to be of service to other people, or pray like a for resentment that I have. I know there's power in prayer. My mother used to tell me that every time she'd write me in prison, she'd sign off in the bottom of the letter, "Pray, Corey. There's power in prayer." And, uh, you know, I know if there wasn't power and prayer, uh, you'd you'd be doing this podcast with somebody else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you made it and I'm glad you're doing the podcast with me. So what's your program look like today? So I'm, I'm
0: busy, man. I'm, you know, I came in, I say, I need, I need meetings today and I need, you know, for me, I need AA more now than I ever needed it. Because when I came in, you know, in, in 2008, I didn't have anything. I had my freedom to lose, but I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really care. It, I, I can bet. I know how to go to jail and do time. What I can't do is live out in society. Everything I own fit in a trash bag. And, you know, today I'm sitting in my own house with, you know, my name on it. And I have two kids, you know, I have a seven-year-old daughter and I have a 10-month-old son that I love more than life itself. And because of the recovery and good sponsorship, I'm able to be a father to them. You know, I'm able to be a son to my mom. You know, when I walk into my mother's house, she doesn't watch me when I walk around her house. She doesn't hide her pocketbook. That's huge for somebody like me, you know, because if I'm coming in, something's leaving with me. You know, like I said in the beginning, I've been a taker all my life. My mom doesn't lay in bed at night when and she hears a siren. She doesn't, it, I'm pretty sure it doesn't cross her mind. I wonder if that's Corey. But I'm involved. I'm very, very involved. You know, I have a home group. I have a service position. I'm very active. You know, I was told, you know, I've never seen anybody fall off the center of a roof. You know, they. fall off on the edges and they said, get in the center of whatever 12 step program that you choose to go to. I'm overpaid, man. Like I said, I'm forever in debt, you know, to given, given this back, you know, and it talks about it all through the book that I read, you know, in AA, it talks about being of service, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's what, that's what it's about.
1: So. Well, I'm I'm sensing uh, this, this really strong attitude of gratitude. (laughs) And I'm just wondering, like, you know, for somebody sitting there, thinking about how they're going to get their next and they're just in a world of hurt. What's the path? Like how, how is this transformation done? Like you've clearly been through it and you're in a, you're in a great place, you're talking about these amazing gifts that you've gotten, you know, how does somebody get started? Where where do they go? What do they do?
0: Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the good things about hitting bottom is there's, there's only one way to go and that's up. And I had to make the decision that I'm done. And here's the thing with that, though. It's like, you know, I heard a lady say this. She said, never underestimate the power of your ego to regenerate itself. And and that's super important for me to remember that. In the 10th step, in the 12 and 12, there's a part in there that says that we often check ourselves that any success that we may be having is far more hurt his success than mine. You know, and I'm only sober today by the grace of God. And, and I know that I don't want to get cocky or arrogant. You know, I'm just being honest with you. I'm, I'm a, the only difference between me, you know, and the people that's out there homeless and an active addiction is one dumb dumbness. I don't ever want to get too sober to help people, regardless of what they look like or what they smell like. I can't ever get too sober where I will not get drunk again, you know, where I won't put a needle in my neck again. And, and I need to keep that up front, man. Again, this is about, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Two days ago, I just picked a guy up in a trap house down in Baltimore City. You know, it it, it hurt my heart. He texted me and said, I'm in a trap house and I don't want to live like this anymore, man. And it, it's going to make me emotional because I remember living in that life. And then I went down and picked his ass up. I told him, I said, you got three minutes to come out, dude. I'm not staying in this neighborhood. And, you know, it's, I don't want to forget where I come from. I was told if you don't forget where you come from, you won't go back. And so it's important for me to work with people, new people, man.
1: Yeah. And the gift that guy gave you by giving you a call.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I, I think that's one of the things with me. It's like, I did not want to quote unquote, inconvenience people. Like they give me their number and tell me to call them. And, you know, and I tell newcomers that I'm like, you have to use the phone. Like I don't have any problem blowing my drug dealer's phone up. I will blow his phone up. I don't care what time of the day it is. Two, two, three, four a.m. I'm calling until he answers. And I need to be like that with my recovery. You know, if I had to chase my recovery, like I was chasing the drugs and I, you know, thank God that I haven't stopped doing that yet. So um picking up the phone is huge, man. I have to pick up the phone and I have to be honest. And I had to form relationships in a, you know, in recovery and be open-minded. I got to take suggestions. Like, I don't know. You know, you know, I just, uh, I suit up and show up, man. And answer to, I answer to a sponsor,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. How'd you meet your sponsor?
0: So I was in a meeting. There was a meeting in Frederick. It was my, actually my first sponsor was help started. And this was probably 14 years ago, 15 years ago. It's called young, dumb, and full AA. And I heard my sponsor share in there. and, And then I started seeing in other meetings and, just when he shared, he's genuine. He's all fan. He doesn't. And I don't mean to sound, you know, any kind of a way by saying this, but sometimes some people have been sober and they're just, they've been happy, joyous, and free ever since their butt hit to see that. And that's just not my story. Believe me, I am grateful and overpaid, but I've had some trials and tribulations, you know, and, uh, I think it's important that we share that in meetings, man, to let people know that life shows up, but we don't have to drink and drug through them. And so, you know, I asked my sponsor at a year sober because my other sponsor just stopped coming around, man. And, And that scared me. I've seen that a lot. I hear best with my eyes. That's how I've stayed alive in life. And, you know, and I didn't want to do that. So I asked him to be my sponsor. And actually, he said no at first because he sponsors a lot of guys. And I said, please just take me through the steps just please take me through the steps. I promise you, I will do anything that you tell me to do. And that's exactly what I told him. And 12 years later, you know, I still want what he has. So it's, you know, it's important for me to to remember that because sometimes, you know, I can, I don't want to cuss, but it's like, I don't want, I call it mental masturbation. Like I can get in a bad spot and then convince myself it's my sponsor's fault that I'm in a bad spot. No, it's not. You know, my sponsor's job is to take me through the steps, you know, and I can get a r- relationship with a higher power, you know, whatever. I call it God, you know, and then I I need to go out and help other people. You know, I need to pass this on and let God work through me and help other people and keep that channel clear. And if I'm not checking myself and answering to my sponsor regularly, that channel is going to get clogged up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, man, that's my sponsor's great. he had, you know, you hear if he has what you want. My he was married. I wasn't married. He had three kids. I didn't have any kids. He played soccer and was into soccer. I don't like soccer. But I wanted his, I respected his program, man. And mm-hmm. and 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 I watched him. I watched how he worked a program with his kids because I thought that you get a pass, at least with your kids. Like you don't have to do the, pro- and I heard him like it, talking about implementing the steps with his kids. And that was, that just meant something to me.
1: That's like fully adopting the, the program as a way of life, like working it into every angle. Right. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So what's good in your life today?
0: Oh man, everything's good. You know, every day I wake up, not dope sick is, you know, I have some good days and not so good days, but you know, I'm invo- very involved in the recovery community where I'm at, you know, I went on to college and, you know, got uh, become an addictions counselor. And I actually ended up working in the parole and probation office here where I'm from the actual, the same parole and probation office that I used to report and see my parole and probation officer. So, you know, I'm blessed, man. I'm overpaid. Like I said, I just wanted mm. to stop. I wanted to stop hurt my mom. Like, I don't know if anybody else can relate to watching their family member walk back out through the barbed wire fence in a correctional facility. And then you wonder if you're ever going to see him again alive. But that's a big part of my story. You know, so everything I got today is a direct result of, you know, recovery of a 12 step program. Like I said earlier, I had nothing when I came in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say nothing I'm talking about. I hear people were use the word low self-esteem. I had no self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't look people in the eyes, you know, you know, per, you know, when someone so honestly, when someone would ask me how I'm doing, really, I really should have said is, I don't know. You tell me, because if you didn't think I was OK, that I wasn't OK you know, and that's just how I went through life, man. You know, I'm a people pleaser. And Mm -hmm. that's just not the case today, man. I have goals and I have dreams and aspirations. And, you know, I don't you know, I, I just don't think anything's too big for us to accomplish. I'm big on being there for my kid, you know, the whole, you know, presence over presence. And I'm talking about my physical presence over, you know, material stuff. I'm more concerned what I leave in my children than I, what I leave with my children. And I think it's real easy to get caught up in materialistic stuff to validate who we are. And I did that when I came in here, I did a lot of retail therapy. I tried to live from the outside in and and you can do that for a while, but I know from my experience, there's not enough things in this world to fill The hole that was in my soul. Mm. Um, So I'm just grateful, you know. I'm just grateful, and you know, I'm. I got into running. I actually just, I'm. I played in a recovery softball tournament all weekend. We just finished today. I played with a treatment center that I work at, and we've been doing it for eight years. And this year was actually the best year that we've ever did. We made it to the second day, and out of twenty teams, we came in sixth place. Wow. It was, it's unbelievable. Like, makes me emotional because it's like, those guys are all like cold order to this treatment where they've done a pretty significant amount of time from prison. And to show them like, this is what it's about, man. This is what recovery is about. It's about going out and having fun and networking and meeting people. I'm just grateful to be able to do that. And yeah, man, you know, just, just pass it on. It's my life's good. My life is, like I said, I'm so glad I didn't get what I wanted when I came in here. Cause I would have sold myself. Short.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. That's awesome. So, look, I want to give you some space to talk to the newcomers, folks that might be wondering what this thing is all about. Any advice for folks that uh, might be new? Man,
0: I just, you know, for me, I would say... You know, you got to get a, get phone numbers, man. You know, I have group texts. I have, you know, I have, re, you know, recovery houses, four recovery houses, and we have a group text for each one. And today's text message that we sent out was the topic was "Great things never come from comfort zone." You know, and I ha- we have to get uncomfortable. My first sponsor came up and put his hand on my shoulder one day. I was at a men's retreat, which I was not for. I do not want to go to no men's retreat. But he said, Corey, if you want to get better, you need to get uncomfortable. And that's huge for me. I had to get uncomfortable. You know, I can gravitate sort towards certain meetings where for me certain things are acceptable versus where I go to other meetings and that shit is not acceptable. They will, you know, and I needed that. I needed, I believe this is about growing up. This is not just about put the plug in the jug, keep coming back, meeting makers make it. And I understand that, but I'm telling you right now, I went to a lot of meetings and I couldn't stop relapse. You know, it says, you know, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves. And it's not that I couldn't, it's because I wouldn't. Because of my pride and ego, or I was only giving you 90% of honesty. I've learned there's a uh, half truce, a whole lot. I've learned about, it's called lie of omission, you know, withholding things. And uh, I just needed to start tearing walls down and letting people in, man. Mm. I've never... I've never met people as good as I have in, in recovery and 12 step meetings, but I got to let them in. They're not, you know, this isn't therapy. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to sit there. I, I have to let them in, man. I got to, I got to form relationships and and tear some of the walls down. I don't have a problem asking the drug dealer to take a short, you know what I mean? But I want to come into AA or NA and then I want to, I don't want to call this person and bother them. I don't have a problem asking somebody to help kill me help kill me. Can you give me, you know, give me a front and then, but I can't pick up the phone and help somebody, you know, can you help me save my life? Can we go have coffee? And it's that simple, man. It's not like we're going to have some deep philosophical conversations. I can't even spell philosophical, man. You know, <laughs> let's, let's go hang out, man. You know, that's, it's, it, it's about having fun, man.
1: You know, why, why is that? It's so funny. You, you put it that way, you know, about picking up the phone. I suffered from it too. And it, you know, it's, it's this thing I get in my head, like, what am I going to say? What's he going to say? It's going to be yeah. awkward, all this. It's why is that so hard? You know, I I don't get it. I I don't know,
0: man. I go through, like I said, I, you know, with the men and women and, you know, in our recovery houses, I'm like, just pick up the phone and call. You have to practice using the phone. It's like anything. The more you do it, the easier it gets, man. If I'm not calling my sponsor in good times, I can guarantee you, I'm not going to call him in bad times. You know, one of the best things my sponsor could have ever told me, and I know people sponsor differently or whatever, but my first sponsor said, you need to call me every day, which I thought was stupid. I'm like, I'm thinking you're not my probation officer. I don't need to check in. I didn't tell him that, but I did it, man, because I wanted to follow directions. And this is really about following directions. It says Mm -hmm. it in a book. It says we alcoholics are undisciplined. You know, and then I asked him eventually down the road why he wanted me to call him every day. He said, well, one, it was to see if he could follow directions. And two, it's just so we could talk, man, and form a relationship. We didn't know anything about each other. You know, I was like, you know, I heard a speaker use the word conversationally crippled. And I was like, that was me when I came in here because I just felt less than. I felt like a piece of crap, man, because everything I did, i I, I stole so much from my parents and not just material stuff, just so many nights of sleep. And I felt like a piece of crap. But the only way for me to get over that was I had to work the steps. It doesn't matter how new the car was, how new the clothes was, or, or how new the relationship was. I just could not wash that dirtiness off of me until I got through steps, you know, mainly for me, it was steps eight and nine. Mm. Um, but I had to clean up my past, man. I heard someone, they said, Corey, if you don't clean up your past, it's going to clean you up. And that mm. scary. me. So yeah, yeah it's just the steps, man. The steps are the way for me. I always, it's like the dentist. You got to drill before you can fill.
1: Well, Corey, this has been a great discussion. Anything else you want to share with the audience before we wrap up?
0: No, man. I, mean, I appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity to do this. You know, like I said, recovery, it's, it's, it's good, man. It's a, it's a better way of life. You know, it's, I just had to get around some, you know, some people that, you know, that had recovery under their, you know, you know, with some, some, with some substantial time, a working knowledge of, of recovery. So yeah, I'm overpaid, man. I'm over, I'm overpaid by, you know, by the... I go into meetings and you now I never thought something that I would, I was cold ordered to go to. I thought I was set. And that's, that's just a horrible feeling when you're sentenced to AA or you're sentenced to NA. Yeah. And I, I get it. I felt that way, but I kept coming back, you know, bring the body and the mind will follow. I believe that because I did that. And now I get, I get to participate in 12. Yeah. I don't have to, I get to, it's a privilege. So yeah, um, yeah man, I love it. Yeah.
1: I love it. Corey, thanks so much. It's been All a great right. discussion. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.